Great to see everybody here today. We are in our sermon recap podcast, video cast, whatever you call these things. We are excited to have a good number of people watching or joining us every week to be a part of this time where we sit and uh, just kind of recap the message on Sunday. This week we started a new series called The Shadow of the Almighty. Had a really good Sunday, a lot of folks there and a lot of good feedback from Psalm 91 and verse 1. Jumped in there over the weekend, and Mr. Greg Dixon is with us here again today, as Yay. always. Glad to have Greg, but we had a good time. Greg was traveling to Accelerate with the youth this week, but he jumped in with us online. Yep. Took part in the service, so it was a good time. Yeah, it was. Uh, great start to a brand new series as we're focusing in on Psalm 91. Fantastic job getting us started uh, in that series. Um just to kind of get us started off, why why Psalm 91? There are so many psalms out there. What what is it that led you to say, hey, you know, we need to spend a few weeks really diving into this? What about what about what was it about this psalm? I was uh, I've always loved the psalm. I say always for a long time. I've loved Psalm 91. It's the psalm of refuge and protection, with these fantastic promises that we're going to get into over the next few weeks. You know, and uh, so many people. I personally have run to that psalm for refuge multiple times in my life when I was going through uncertainty mainly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was a time uh, several years ago I was in there going some medical tests, and I hate that. absolutely hate it. I think most of us do to go yeah. through tests and wait around for results. And I just remember God leading me to Psalm 91 as I was walking through that. Everything turned out great. Yeah. But uh, I remember just staying in Psalm 91 as I walked through that, you know, again and again. And uh, it's just been, uh, meant a lot to me for a long time. I decided about a month or two ago that I was going to memorize Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. So I've done that over the past month, you know, so I'll just be riding down the road quoting Psalm 91. In fact, I was in a I was in a uh, difficult situation coming down the interstate um, a couple weeks ago. It was raining really hard. Yeah. And they're working on our interstate here. If you're local, you know that. And uh, <laughs> there's a couple spots to where it's not draining too well. Yeah. The water was piling up. Well, I actually hydroplaned a couple of times, and there's just no way to pull over or get off that road. You're speeding down, and you just got to... Uh, do it. So I was just quoting Psalm 91 going down that, going through that, you know, so thankful I had it committed to memory, but it's just meant a lot to me. And yeah, a lot of people have told me this Psalm means so much to me. I hmm. can't tell you how many people have, um, even in the lead up to the series before we started yesterday, Yeah, a lady in the church called me. She said, Pastor, I'm so excited for Psalm 91. She said, I memorized it a long time ago. And she said, I, uh, every day before I go to work, she, I think she pulled up to work and sits in her car and speaks Psalm 91 over oh, wow. a day. I had a physician who attends the church who told me that um, while they were walking through COVID, he and his wife both latched on to Psalm 91 and held on to it, and they were able to. He essentially was in the front lines of the battle against COVID, you know, in our community. Yep. He shared with me how much Psalm 91 meant to him. So it just, the the psalm resonates with people who are going through hard times. Yep. And whether you are, whether you have gone through a hard time, whether you're currently going through a hard time, or whether you're about to go through a hard time, all of us can, no matter where we're at in our stage of life, all of us can 
uh, kind of connect with this idea of needing of needing refuge because if you you like I said you've either come out of it you're in it or you're going to be going through it at some point in time. That's absolutely true. We all need that just times where we can just hide from the storm yep. in the shelter yep. of the Most High. So you uh, you camped out in the first verse of Psalm ninety one. So much that was packed right packed right in there. You kind of have to take it in small in small chunks. And so uh, you uh, Psalm ninety one verse one says, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." Uh, I read it. I haven't memorized it. I guess I could have just had you recite it <laughs> once again for everybody. Um, but you uh, you kind of went through it and you kind of walked us through and you started with the description. Uh, of the place, the description of that that secret place. Um, I love the illustration of the man cave uh, that uh, that you were coveting, that probably had everybody in the room coveting in some way, shape, or form. A man came to me after service, and he has that. Are you serious? He has that. He has a man cave with a secret entrance. Oh man, uh, I saw. I will not disclose who it is. <laughs> I saw somebody post on social media. Maybe they, I think they tagged you in it as well. That said, it was talking about their uh, the way they covet a secret room as well. Maybe had posted something in there, but uh, but the psalmist talks about the description of that secret room and you are or that place, and you talked about two words: secret and uh, shadow. Uh, uh, kind of share share with us a little bit more about the secret and the shadow there. Well, the secret seems to me to be more of a, a hidden place from enemies. That and, okay, and it's it's all the way through the psalm that there's certain things that can't get to you in the secret place and can't steal that that uh, security from you in that place. So it's hidden. There's the idea of secrecy there. Uh, there's the idea of a shelter. I think uh, several other versions, I'm using the New King James for this one, several other versions change the word from secret to shelter, which is also a part of the meaning of the Hebrew word. I can't recall the exact Hebrew word, but it was an idea of secrecy and shelter, hmm. covering and hidden, Right. you know. Saw a video not long ago of a guy out in the woods, and he had a place like that. I've been searching shelters, and he essentially dug a hole in the ground where he could hide, mm -hmm. and and he could dive into it like in five seconds. And he had a plant beside it where once he got in the hole, he could pull it over there, and you couldn't tell he was hidden there. Yeah, I think that's a bit of the idea, if not all yeah. of it. It's a shelter that you can hide. Yeah, I got a, 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 you know, we've all got, you know, probably friends across the country and stuff like that. I got a friend of mine who lives in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is in that little tornado alley there. Um, he had bought a home there with his family, and then they had a tornado come through and uh, really did a lot of destruction in their area. The very next week, he invested into a storm shelter. They didn't have one, and so he invested into that idea, right? And the whole protection uh, aspect there is kind of where it's kind of where my mind goes uh, yeah. when I start thinking about that. Yeah, place to hide in the yep. storm. Yep, yep. So, uh, man, that's, that's really old good. song, uh, uh, it, old, old hymn that I love, uh, it says, uh, the cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide. Hmm. And I think that sums up Psalm 91. Yeah. I imagine the writer of that hymn may have had Psalm 91 in mind, verse 1. A, a secure place that we can go, that we can hide. And, I, and I, you had said that, and I don't know that I had kind of put that in my mind, but it's a place that you can get away from the from your enemy um yes. huh that's where that's i mean i'm just sitting here thinking about thinking about that aspect of it right there it's a place that the enemy can't get to you it's a place that the enemy can't touch you it's a place that the enemy can't attack you or uh something along those lines huh love that that's that's really good as well it's a place to hide it yep. really is the enemy's always going to attack yep 
And I don't think a, a shelter means you're never going to get attacked. No, 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 no. That's no, no. trouble. You're not saying that, I know. But some of the promises in Psalm 91 are pretty crazy, extreme, and blessed, and, and great. Right. I don't think we read it as, I'm never going to have a challenge in the shelter. I just think you got to realize you're always safe there. Mm-hmm. I like that. You moved on from that, and then you went to our role um, mm-hmm. in, in the place. And... Uh, uh, you put dwell, pulled out dwell, and pulled out abide. I noticed that you didn't have uh, work in there. It's just not there in the in the um, in the whole psalm. You know, it's not about your efforts. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, "If you abide in me, mm-hmm. I abide in you." You know, all kind of things happen just from abiding in the vine. I am the vine. He said, "You're the branches. You can't do anything without me." Our role in the book of John when he talks about the vine and the branches is abide. It's the same as Psalm 91. Our job is to be there, and that's all because of what Jesus did. And we're simply to stay there, not pull ourselves out from that abiding. The... uh... The idea of, of dwelling and, uh, and abiding in that, when you, when you talked about dwell, you meant uh, you brought out to sit down, to inhabit, uh, or to marry, um, or, some of the, or some of the words that you pulled yeah, out there when it yeah. came to dwell. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what, what I kind of, what I'm kind of going back to saying, and you kind of went down this path at, as you got towards the end of the message, especially when you gave us our action items there. Um, you know, in the, in the secret place, it's not a place that you have to worry. Um, it's not a place that you have to be concerned with fears or everything else that's kind of going on in life that are happening there. It's a place that you get to just be um, and allow and allow the presence of God to uh, you know to minister to you, to work uh, to work in you, to you know, to do so many different things. But you don't have to. It's not an area that you've got to kind of keep your defenses up. Yeah, uh, completely. I think uh, abiding in the moment means. Um, heard the phrase a lot, practicing the presence of Jesus hmm. in our lives. I, didn't, I don't think I said that yesterday, but it's, it's uh, when you're in a trying situation or maybe anxious or maybe you're being attacked, it's just to get to a place where you're sitting in the presence of God and letting His presence minister to you. And He wants to do that on a daily basis, on a continual basis you hear people talk about you know pray without ceasing Mm -hmm. what does that mean do i have a prayer meeting everywhere i go does it mean uh it it doesn't mean that because you cannot stop and kneel down and pray 24 7 but there is something about abiding in the presence of god as you go through your work day that's pretty incredible and anxiety flees. I find it happens all the time. If I deal, and I do deal with anxiety on a fairly regular basis over things. And um, if I will get in God's presence, and that just means sometimes slow down and acknowledge Him. You know, the other thing I think about as you're as you're talking, as you're kind of walking us through this, is that this idea of abiding and dwelling in the secret place. Is a little bit countercultural to what is natural to me, because I when I when I start thinking about you know me and what I'm and what I'm supposed to, it immediately goes to what I'm supposed to do, uh, go through my to do list of items that I'm supposed to do in my day, uh, making sure that I've got everybody in my family where they're supposed to be and getting all the. There's always so many things that are just absolutely that are running 100 miles an hour that I'm supposed to do. So the idea of slowing down, as you just said, and 
just simply being in the presence of God or dwelling or abiding. Those words right there feel a little bit countercultural uh, to me. Uh, what would you say? What would you say to me uh, as I'm as I'm kind of saying that? Well, when you if you get up on Saturday morning and you're cooking breakfast for your kids, you know you got two young children, yep. and so you're going to get up and make pancakes on Saturday, yep. right? Yep. That's part of the reason you were put on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the reason God put you on Earth. A big part of it is your two children, right? You know, we tend to think ministry is there while we're put here, <laughs> but. When you're up with a to-do list for your family, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting up and you're there. I've been there. Sure. And uh, you're getting the kids ready, taking them to school, making sure they got lunch, breakfast, homework, picking them up, taking them to dance or baseball or yep. whatever it is. You're running all that. You're living the life that God put you here to live. And in the middle of all that, you just acknowledge that. You mm-hmm. acknowledge, God, this is what I do today is for you. You put me on earth to do this. You acknowledge, you invite his presence into that. You know, I don't think you have to have this. You're not. It's just realistic. You're not going to have these holy moments every minute when you're flipping pancakes. But if you just acknowledge the Lord in all of it, you know, wow. Scripture said, if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he'll direct your paths. Yeah. We're not going to get away from this in Psalm 91 either. It's all over it. This idea of dwelling, mm-hmm. we are not leaving that. Mm-hmm. We will get in it again. I mean, there's two times in the psalm where it says because one of them is because you've made the lord your dwelling place this will happen the other one is because he has set his love upon me this happens so it's an idea of of setting your affection on something which is in i believe it's colossians where it says set your affections on things above Mm. that's helpful to me i appreciate that good just kind of well i mean just kind of the idea of hey God, as I'm doing this, you're you're a part of this. I'm not doing this outside of you. I mean, you're you know you're 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 in all this, and so um, just kind of inviting God's presence into every aspect of my day. That's one of the reasons I think it's important to acknowledge God's presence early in the day. Yeah. So that your activities throughout the day are covered with that acknowledgement. You. Uh, you kind of took us next into this aspect that he is Lord of the place that, you know, we, we acknowledge our role in this place, but then we also are acknowledging his role in this place. And that is the fact that he is Lord of the place. And you brought out uh, two specific names uh, of God and you, you kind of laid out that, you know, in the Hebrew, man, there are a bunch of different names for God that, that cover a lot. Um, uh, you talked about the psalmist called him the most high um, and the Hebrew that was El El Elyon. There it the is. That one right there. That he's the most high. And then the second one was uh, El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. I loved it. That he, my dad is bigger than your dad. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> I, my mind immediately went to my dad can beat up your dad. Is that, you may have said that <laughs> in there as well. So that was uh, that was funny as well. That is a bit of the uh, tone you would get from the from the Jews in their culture. You know, in the culture they were in, mm-hmm. uh, people prayed to different gods depending on a variety of factors. You know, it could be where you lived. There were gods over certain cities. Uh, They prayed to different gods, sometimes based on what they wanted. You know, certain gods were for this and certain gods were for that. People chose their own gods. You know, it's polytheism. Yeah. Many, many gods. So people would say, well, I pray to this one, Mm -hmm. I pray to that one, I pray to the other one. The Hebrews made quite a claim, the Jews. uh, There's only one and it's ours. Right. You know, there's only one God and it's the one we serve. That was a big deal, and that's part of the reason they were hated. It wasn't this, uh, you know, multicultural approach. They were saying, "We have found the way. We have found the God," and uh, 
that can come across in an arrogant way. You know, that can come across wrong, but that is what they believe, and that's what we believe. There is only one God. Because the psalmist threw this into this aspect of, uh, of, of Psalm 91, um, you know, different different parts of different psalms, you know, he's coming, you know, the psalmist comes in there and, you know, some aspects he's, you know, uh, worshiping and praising God. Other times he's just, you know, lamenting in there and throwing concern. What what does it say to you about him using these two specific titles uh, in there about the Lord of the place and being in the being in the dwelling place? What does that what does that say to say to you say to us? Well, verse one is very foundational to the whole psalm. Verse right. one is the premise that the whole rest of the thing is built on. So he's establishing in the beginning that this is a big deal. The God who is Lord over this place is God. Yeah, and you've got to get that if the rest of the psalm is gonna mean anything to you. Mm. He's establishing the Almighty, who's most high above every other God. Man. Verse two's got two more, too. Yeah. Verse two has more titles for God, so this week you're gonna hear some more. Awesome. Yeah. And then you began to lead us into, so how do we go into this place? You know, mm. we, we recognize that there is value and importance, and all of us want this, you know, this refuge to be able to, be able to come into out of the storm, um, and so, we go into it, and you said, by faith in Jesus Christ. That's uh, it. So I can't earn my way into it. I can't, I can't work it. You cannot. Um, you told the, uh, kind of gave, uh, gave us a little bit of illustration there from the, from the Jewish culture that was there about how they would enter into the temple. Um, and <laughs> that, always blows, that always blows my mind a little bit, too, just kind of the, the value and the importance that they put into going into those inner courts of the temple. Um, and it, to a certain aspect, how how dangerous it was if you weren't the uh, if you weren't the high priest and you weren't and, and you weren't ready uh, to go in. Well, there's a guy who um, you know they were bringing the ark on a cart and uh, at one point bringing it back. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, um, the oxen stumbled and the the ark shook a little bit, and a guy put his hand out to steady the ark, and he dropped dead. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I didn't have time to talk about that yesterday, right. but that's a reality that happened. It's pretty harsh, but it, <laughs> the Old Testament demonstrates the holiness of God. Right, um, and that's I think it's part of it is that we we have to recognize that that you know we have you know these different verbs that we use to try to describe God, whether it's whether it's love or grace or compassion. But there is the the holiness aspect of it that we can't that we can't forget that we can't get away from that He is a that He is a holy God and that there is a way to. To come to him, uh, even you know, even in you know, post post Old Testament at this point as well, that we still bring ourselves to him. Um, you do not want to face God without Jesus, right? You do not want to do that. Thankfully, he's we made have, the way thankfully for us we to have, come to him. We have, you know, it says you may boldly approach the throne yep. of grace. It's a throne of grace. That's what's incredible. People see God's throne as all judgment. You come through Jesus. It's a throne of grace. You said that we come to him uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, sometimes that can seem, uh, for those who uh, have grown up in church or anything like that, you probably have heard that phrase so many times. You know, okay, by, yeah, I come by faith in Jesus Christ. For for somebody who may be watching, who uh, that is an unfamiliar term. Uh, what would you what would you say to them as you as you would try to uh, expand that a little bit? 
Well, I think, and I played around with it yesterday, just saying, initially, I said, how do you get into this place? Well, you got to memorize 10 <laughs> yeah. Bible verses. Yeah, kind of carrying the two school. big old Bibles. <laughs> Carry two big Bibles. And the crowd, most of them, I realized I was taking them down a sure. trail of, but I did that just to illustrate, and I think it worked. Um, I did it to illustrate where our mind goes when we think about getting right with God or coming to church or becoming a Christian. Mine does, and I think the majority of people does. Okay, I got a list here. I got to start doing this. I got to stop doing this. And they want a formula, you know, sometimes, and our brain does sometimes. Uh, that's just not the journey God has called us to. We, um, When you really become a Christian, truly, this is a different thing from joining a church mm -hmm. or saying you're a Christian or, you know... Uh, whatever behavior modification when you really become a christian if you really do you got to recognize you cannot change your life by your own efforts mm -hmm. i mean you can change i mean you can lose weight right. you can get fit you can your habits can certainly change a lot about your life people do makeovers and change and it's all good i mean there's nothing wrong with that but you can't change your heart yep your desires you cannot change your desires inside and uh, only Jesus can. So to become a Christian, you come to him in faith and you just, you have this realization that what he did for me on the cross is what I need. And you receive that for yourself. Hmm. And you walk in faith from there on out. Yeah. Not to say you don't stumble. No. Not to say that you don't slip out of that from time to time in your own mind. I'm not saying salvation, but I'm saying you can, you can certainly cross the line over into fear and anxiety right. and everything else, but you live your life completely in faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not something you perfect, obviously, the first time. It's sure. baby steps. And I've been a Christian uh, in earnest uh, since I was 19, and um, I'm still learning how to trust Jesus with everything. That is a, uh, I think that's a lifelong uh, journey for all of us it who is. place our faith in Christ. It is every day trying to uh, trust him a little bit more. And some days I feel like I'm doing okay with it. And other days I feel like I'm starting all over. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, uh, you talked about the benefits mm -hmm. of the secret place as mm -hmm. well. Um, and one of those statements really, uh, really hit me hard. And it was, you don't need a happy place. You need a holy place. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the reason I think it hit me so hard is because oftentimes uh, I, and I think I speak for a lot of us out there, we make a lot of decisions in life based upon being happy. Um, what is going to make me happy? Let me go to this location because it'll make me happy. Let me go take this vacation because it's going to make me happy. Um, let me run away from that conflict or that storm because that will keep me happy. Um, but you said it's not about finding a happy place. It's about, about finding a holy place. Talk to me a little bit about what it means to find the holy place. Well, happiness is kind of a dangerous word, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. it's deceptive. Mm -hmm. It's so deceptive. You know, you can get high and feel happy, mm -hmm. but the happy you just got can really bite you. Sure. You know, so happiness can, can wreck your life if you live on that. I'm just going to make myself artificially some way feel happy. Nothing wrong with going on vacation. Sure. Nothing wrong with yeah, doing no. fun things that you like to do. Yeah. Nothing wrong with buying something you can afford that brings you some comfort and, you know, all that. 
so happiness is a danger if you live on that. Mm-hmm. Addicts live for happiness mm-hmm. in a in a in a distorted sense. Sure, you know? escapism. A holy place is the place created by God for you. You know, it's a place of worship. It's a place of reverence. It's a place of relationship with God that you come to. Hmm. And uh, destructive behaviors are not there. Yeah, they're not in the holy place. Everything in the holy place is good for you. Everything in the holy place is not comfortable either. <laughs> Everything in the holy place does not feel like happiness. Right. You know, God will call you to walk through some things that are hard. Right. Don't let it be said that this secret place is the is the place of ease and comfort and never being challenged because it's not. It's a very uncomfortable place at times. But it's a place that you can walk in unbroken fellowship with God, you know. Uh, one of the things that pulls us out of the secret place is sin. Yep. You know, when I when I make the choice to do something that I know is not the right choice, that I know God would not have me to do, and I've done that many times. I've done things that offered happiness that were not holy. Yep. And like I said previously, they they bite you. They do give you a little bit of temporary relief sure. and escape. But when that high wears off, you realize, man, my life is worse than it was when I started because I've made a bad choice. And that's the thing about happiness is that it comes and goes, right? It does. I mean, uh, you it know, does. it'll it'll change based upon circumstances, um, and maybe that's one of the reasons why we need that refuge, why we need that secret place to be able to run to, to remind us what is real, to remind us what is true, to remind us who God is in those moments. Absolutely, yeah. That holy place is safe from sin and mm-hmm. safe from destructive habits well what's uh is there anything that uh you didn't get to share uh this past weekend that maybe you wanted to uh throw in here and communicate uh as a part of our discussion today no i think we've hit it uh pretty well you know yeah um there was a lot to pack unpack in verse one and there's right. also a lot in verse two to unpack that we're going to this week but uh Nothing really stands out that I didn't get to say. Gotcha. There are a few things I could have said that sure. and more illustrations we could have done, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think the message of the verse one uh, came through. All right. So this weekend we continue on with Psalm 91. We're moving forward into verse two, and at it, least, maybe more. <laughs> we'll see. You just start unpacking this psalm, and there's so much to unpack. Yeah. So All right. it's going to be fun. He moves this week. We're going to move from... Uh, he talks about he, in verse 2, he starts talking about I. So one okay. of the ideas this week is going to be personalizing yeah. that. So Looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yep. It'll be fun. We're excited. Looking forward to this weekend. Fantastic. Thank Thanks, you, sir. everybody, for joining us. Love y'all and look forward to what's ahead.